Gaming and BS episode 141. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RBG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to those who have been here before. How are you doing, Sean? Freaking, I'm doing awesome, Brett. Awesome. I bought a new gun this weekend. Oh, that made me happy. I got to hey. shoot. I got to shoot stuff this just today. That was fun. So, so you should take a look at our Twitter account and see who has recently followed us. Who's that? <laughs> I think it's called No Guns. Are you serious? Oh. Yeah. Let me see oh, if I. I'm can... gonna feel bad. <laughs> Somebody's gonna be mad at me because I, I shoot stuff. Oh. Followers. Uh, gun no. And uh, at it's it's G U N. E K O N. It's time to ban guns. Yes, all of them. Ban guns, all guns. Wow, that's a that's a strong stance. Well, I, you know, teach their I, own. I'm not gonna. T- I'm, not, I'm not gonna. I mean, I don't know, whatever. I, this, that's a totally different podcast to discuss that. Anyway, on my in my world for for hunting, it's uh, I'm quite pleased. I'm very happy. So they obviously don't know who they're following. Yeah, that's kind of. Or, that's, or maybe they do. Maybe that's the, they that's, do. That's the point that makes me giggle. Although I gotta say, I'm positive. To that point, right? I am positive we have listeners that have alternate political views to what you and I have. I mean, even you and I have talked politics off the mics. I'm like, well, I don't know, whatever. You know, we generally agree, but I'm positive somebody out there listening to us does not adhere to the same political dogma that you and I generally do, which is again absolutely fine because we're not a politics show, and um, I don't focus the. I mean. You know, hunting is something I do on the side, but it's uh, part of who I is and all that. But uh, we're a gaming podcast, man. You like gaming? We're here for you. Yeah. Announcements, Brett. Yeah. So speaking of gaming and kick-ass shit, um, we've got a few more people that are telling us about games are going to be running under the Gaming and BS banner at GameholeCon this coming November. So again, submissions are open for GameholeCon. Um, I've got at least one that I'm going to be running, uh, a Streets of Avalon game. I'm pretty sure it'll be, um, well, I know it'll be a, a D&D 5e, and then I may run, well, I, I will definitely run a second one. I'm trying to determine what game system that will be. might be Warhammer 1st Edition. Although if Dave Beatty shows up, I might have to try to whip up a Wraith game, World of Darkness Wraith, because if Beatty shows up and I run Wraith, then he'll just have an you know, RPG gasm and pass out. That'd be kind of fun. Um, uh, again, I'll be in Origins. I'll be at Origins next month. Um, <clears throat> I've said this a few different times. Just one more time, if you are like, "Hey, you know what? The fuck, I think I'm going to go to Origins. I'll be around. You'll find me if I uh, if you can and shake my hand. I'd love to do that and have a beer, talk gaming, do whatever." And uh, the old school encounter contest is going strong. We've had a couple more submissions come in between Hobbs and friends, our buddy Jason Hobbs over there. Scott, uh, Scott Hubs or whoever that is running the show over there. Scott uh, Hubs. <laughs> good old Scott Hubs. Love that guy, Scotty. <laughs> Anyhow, um, we're partnering up with them. We've got, um, it's just, it's for fun, right? We've got a couple different prizes to hand out, but uh, we've got a few, few entries in and so far what I'm seeing is pretty cool. So if you want to get in on that, we got a link in the show notes. Check that out. And uh, while we're talking about cons and cool stuff, Queen City Conquest, uh, Sean Gilgore, marketing director, uh, correction, last time I accidentally said that Sean was the director. Cindy Moore is the con director. I knew that. I totally forgot and um, crossed that up. But anyway, 
Sean Gilgore, good people. Cindy Moore, additional, more good people, all um, doing the Queen City Conquest thing. So I believe, let me check their Kickstarter real quick here while we're chatting. <clears throat> so, yeah, they've got, as of today's recording, which is May 21st, they've got 13 days left to go. They're getting close to their goal. Um, even if you can't go there, this is one of those opportunities for gamers. I mean, if you got five bucks, 10 bucks, something to throw at them just to say, Hey, help the gamers in the queen city in the Buffalo area to be able to have a really kick-ass convention. Cause God damn it. I was there last year. It's, it's a fucking good time. So anyway, if you can, if you can throw on some shekels, do so. It will be greatly appreciated. Anything from you, Sean? Uh, nope. I don't think I have any announcements. Did you ever sell that sporty yet? Did you sell that on the motorcycle? Ah, we get. I got a listener's. Uh, he's gonna pick it up, I think. Oh, sweet, Sean and uh, I do. We do tend to give listener preference to when we sell stuff, so that's just a thing we do. Yeah, I'm just gonna give it to him because he expressed interest in it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> preference, not not giveaway. Preference, not giveaway. That'd be. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna charge him a few thousand dollars for the keys, but exactly the bike is free. The keys keys cost money. All right, let's do a random encounter. Random encounter! Random encounter. All right, Brett, you want to start? Do you want me to start? What do you, what do you want to do, Brett? Let's take a look here. Let's see. Martina is there. I'll tell you what, you do that one, and I'll do... Uh, you start with Matt, I'll, move, I'll grab on a gym, and then we'll change it up. So, you go first. Regarding our last episode, Thieves and Rogues, from Google+, Plus, Matt Martinez comments, During the discussion of people using the I'm-just-playing-my-character excuse to be assholes, I was reminded of a recent episode of the Savored Eye podcast in which the host discussed thieves. Host James Spahn talked about how one particular thief he played was basically refused to fight and in one instance put on a ring of invisibility, left the room, and nailed the door shut behind him, leaving the rest of the party to be TPK'd by hellhounds. In another instance, he used a magic ring with one wish spell to wish himself and no one else away from danger. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but that's the sort of shit that would pretty much ensure that I would never want to play with that person again. Don't get me wrong, I love Spawn as a creator. I think White Star is one of the best RPGs I've ever played or run so far, but he sounds like the exact type of player that would basically wreck my fun. The pertinent bit can be found at uh, 1745 in the episode linked below. So it looks like episode 133 of Save or Die. We'll put a link in the show notes. And if you scrub to 1745, you'll hear that certain... I didn't know James was on that show, honestly. I, I didn't. I completely forgot. I think I think I knew that, but I forgot. But uh, holy shit, that would piss me off to no end. <laughs> um uh, I mean, is James being serious? Because, like, I mean, so the other. <laughs> I heard some now, podcasters aren't, aren't always serious about every single thing they say, though. I don't know. I mean, yeah, some guys just kind of train themselves to be a little less than serious. Sometimes they have an online persona that they're trying to portray, <laughs> maybe. But <laughs> anyway, though, I, I will say the I'm just playing my character as an excuse to be an a hole um, is universally reviled by most people. I believe, at least most decent gamers I've ever met. I would also say that unless the group is like, no, we're totally cool with that, or that's how you play. And, I mean, you, you can find that group that's like, yep, that's just how we game. Yep, oh, you motherfucker, you screwed us over. Arr, curse you, we'll get your character next time. Um, but generally, uh, my approach has been what my buddy Lenny and I have said for years, is that, you know, adventurers may be crazy, but they're not stupid. 
if at certain point you're adventuring with people who you deem to be dangerous or whatever, I in, in a murder hobo game especially, yeah, murder the other fucking hobo and take his tin of beans. I mean, if that if that guy has shafted you on more than one occasion in a potentially TPK scenario, yeah, that's that thief's head is on a stick. Or the half-orc's wearing a chain around his neck as a warning to other assholes. Anyway, there we go. Well, there. There you go, indeed. So Jim Fitzpatrick wrote in next. Oh, and by the way, uh, Matt, thank you very much for writing in. That's that was that's cool. <laughs> that's, I, I absolutely agree with you there. That would drive me bananas. Now James Spahn is giving me some ideas. No, I know. That's the <laughs> God damn. So it cuts both ways. It cuts both ways. <clears throat> All right. Can't wait till I'm a player at the next con game. <laughs> what do you have on your character? Hammer, lot of nails. What's that what for? for? <laughs> yeah, you never know. What kind of nails? Framing nails. Why? <laughs> Just because. <laughs> uh, all right, Jim Fitzpatrick um, wrote in and said, I think this is on Google Plus, you've said this one. So I'm really starting to dig the player series shows. Well, thank you, Jim. I mean, not like I ever do anything but Jim, but at least it reminds me what it'd be like to play PCs again. A couple of comments on the episode. Number one, end sentences with prepositions all you want. I'm a pro- professionally trained linguist. I hereby endorse this behavior. It's not a Wisconsin thing or Midwest thing. People do it. People everywhere do it, and many of them still become functional adults. Apparently, the way I read right now, I'm not a functional adult. So, <clears throat> wow, I, I, I'm glad to know that I am functional. Up until Jim confirmed that, uh, I felt like yeah. a little I mean, sketchy. I, a little sketchy. Touch and go there. Jim continues. Language change is inevitable and not necessarily a bad thing. If you want a convenient trick, though, just end every sentence with "motherfucker." Oh, hey, hey! <laughs> I believe I, don't think, I, don't I believe this a big enough crowd to applause that one. I believe this comes from the uh, Samuel L. Jackson School of Linguistics. The incorrect <laughs> version is "That sounds great." I'm in. The correct version is "That sounds great." I'm in, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. I suspect Brett B. will be a natural at this, motherfucker. Oh, I know this one in there just for fun. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my god, I'm gonna start doing that tomorrow. I'll go to work and <laughs> oh god, it'd be awesome, <laughs> epic. Number two, uh, he continues, Jim continues, I hate the name thief for this class because I think it makes players think, quote, might as well take this, I'm a thief, unquote. Rogue is better. Vanilla Cypher rules called Explorer, and that's better still. I think Guy Girl, who who can't help but get into shit, is the best option, but you can't do that game and market to kids and teens. Number three, Sean really hit the nail in the head when he said you should have a good character concept. What? What? Someone agreed with you. Crushing it, man. Crushing it. Crushing it. Some systems do a good job inviting you to think about this, like different rogue talents in D&D 3, uh, 3.x-based systems, or uh, or the build in the 5e PHP. You can have a thug rogue with a high strength, a face rogue with high charisma, or a mastermind rogue with high intelligence, and if you really take the time to think about what that means, it can open up the character for you. Number four, based on number three, I was thinking about rogues in particular for this, but it might be good for player series episodes in general to pose some questions you can ask yourself as a player to help get under the hood for that class. For example, um, one example of this in the thief case is, quote, how do I react to danger, unquote. Apparently, if you're spawn, you run away and nail the door shut. Um, carrying on, <laughs> he continues, if you're a rogue and, and you're getting into shit uh, to uh, to do to do the character concept Sean was talking about, it helps to think about how you're going to deal with the shit you encounter. Are you inclined to deflect the blame onto other people? Maybe you should put some points in charisma. Are you more inclined to pull out the blade and exert your physical dominance, bump up your strength, etc., etc.? 
I swear to God, I'm going to write a short response to an episode someday. I guess if you guys had a shitty podcast, I wouldn't bother. Well, thank you, sir. I like that. Oh, and you know, God, that is hilarious. It is very funny. And I think Jim's uh, Jim's point, though, about some questions that players can ask themselves about, you know, what do I want out of this character? I think we, I think that's definitely a good idea, Jim. And that's going to go in the, uh, that's going to go into, into Hoppa. So I will, in the Hoppa, I will plug that into the motherfucker. Uh, motherfucker. Thank you. Thank you. I almost, <laughs> I almost forgot that there. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> Next one is yours. It's cold out. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know why that just kills me. I don't understand it, but it's great. And Christopher Gray emails us. So sadly, after a year-long campaign on Roll20, one of our players needs to focus on real life for a while and had to drop from the game. We discussed offline how we would like char- uh, his character to go out and being the paladin of the party, really wanted to go out in a blaze of glory party was on their airship heading to the site of a battle between a human army and a demon army for reaching the climax of the campaign. So everything's coming to a head. They are in the neighborhood of level 11 to 12, and so I thought really hard about what situation I could set up that would allow the paladin to go out in the way he envisioned. So what the hell? I decided this demon army had uh, themselves a Baylor. My intention was not a TPK, but I would I needed something challenging because they are on an airship outfitted with cannons. So after shitting their pants upon arrival, they engaged with the beast. The cannons did a decent job of knocking it down, but eventually it was able to teleport on board the ship, catching everything on fire. After a lack of lack a lack of I'm combining two words. After a lot of back and forth with everyone and a bunch of amazing tactics the players put forward. They were taking this thing down. The paladin rolled some astonishing hits, and I realized it was going to be more than enough to kill the fiend. I also knew that it would blow up, and while most everyone could take the damage, it would be enough to down the airship. So I whispered to the paladin, Is it okay if this is the moment? (laughs) The paladin saw what was going to happen and used this last strike to dive forward and shove the fiend off the ship ship falling with it. It exploded safely below, and the paladin fell 400 feet to his death into a swarming army of demons. But because he was an orc, he was able to snap back to zero hit points and take one look around, seeing it had saved this ship and the party just as thousands of demons descended upon him and tore him apart. The Ascended Hound. My settings version of the Grim Reaper met up with our hero and brought him to his village in the realms beyond, which in prior adventures had been obliterated by the undead. They were all there, and he was back home in peace, the memories of war and terror whispering away and filled with the hope of eternity. That was not a dry eye after this. There was not a dry eye after this. What a way to go. I can't believe the confluence of story set up and dice rolls led to the perfect outing. I hope that the player keeps the experience with them for some time to come. And back to you guys. What awesome ways have you seen players retire their characters? That's a damn good story. I like that. Literally you, a bla- almost literally a blaze of glory. <laughs> exactly. I had um I have at one point my buddy Zave and I were playing in a game that I World of Darkness game that my buddy Lenny was running, 
and we were basically racing to sacrifice our characters, and he beat me to it, um, and basically used his own soul and essence to plug this nasty wormhole that stopped the Shoggoth from coming through and, and destroying the destroying the city. Um, a lot of times, the a lot of the big ones that have come to my mind are the ones where somebody killed themselves or died doing something incredibly heroic. Just kind of that that big finale. There's got to be other ways I'm just not thinking of. Sean, do you have any one that pops in your head? Like a big I one? Don't, I don't know offhand. It's been a while that anybody's really, you know, gone down in a... Well, actually, I did once, but I don't remember how it, it, how it went down. Because I went to the GM and I'm like, dude, I'm done. I want, I want, I want you to kill my guy. Hmm. Green Lorne Treehaven. Ranger. And uh, he, I'm like, and, and I can't remember, and it was it was pretty decent, poetic. I think I became like a warden of the wood, and my, maybe somewhat of a dryad, but I don't remember. Yeah, I'll, I'll do a little a little teaser at, at some point within the uh, Streets of Avalon actual play. There's there's some <gasps> there's some cool character stuff that happens. Kind of the, the whole not a dry eye perspective we had. Um, and the most recent one that just dropped, Kevin's character had to deal with uh, Allison's death and talking to Allison's mom and some stuff like that. So there might be something a little bit more to that later on. Anyhow, there oh. is. Uh, I've seen I've seen some pretty cool stuff. You know what though? I think this uh, this could be a really good topic for other people to weigh in on. So honestly, let's. I like to open this up to listeners. If you guys, you men and women out there who either have had your characters do this, you've seen other people do it in your games. You know, she really did this awesome job sacrificing her character, or he did this really cool thing doing whatever. Or, or let us know right in. Uh, hit us up on email, Google Plus, even Facebook, and uh, hit us with a couple of good examples because those things are always fun to hear about. Those are some of those gamer war stories that actually are pretty cool. You know, as opposed to I, I once beat Orcus and took his wand. You know, the the, the kind of the, the goofy ones. These like this one right here with the paladin. They have some actual cool factor to it that I don't mind hearing about. So, cool. Very nice. Yes. All right. Oh, and of course, thank you, Mr. Gray, for writing in with that. That is really, really cool. All right. Chris Angelucci emails us. Hi, guys. I just listened to your potions episode, and I kept thinking, does anyone ever bring a dog or other animal to try unknown potions on first? Forgive me if this is prohibited by the rules, or another listener has already brought it up. I haven't played D&D for ages. Thanks for a great show, Chris Angelucci. So, you know, I don't think anyone's ever done that in the games I can remember. I, I want to think somebody tried once to, you know, force the wizard's familiar to drink something, which always came down to the wizard telling that person to fuck off in some way. Sean, have you ever had anybody do that? Where they've tried to have an animal of some sort that they could douse with a potion or cram it down their throat? No, I typically play uh, role-playing games with people that are not serial killers. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's just testing. <laughs> it's animal testing. It's not killing the animal. Oh, oh it's not I'm like sorry. it's not like cosmetics either. This is potions in the middle of a dungeon. Oh, oh. Well, no, I'm not going to waste a potion on a dog. What the hell? So I think, <laughs> honestly, on, man. I think that that might be the reason why people don't do it is because depending on the rules you have for testing or tasting potions. It might, they might not want to waste them on a dog or a cat or something like that. 
Hmm. I'm kidding on the serial killer thing. I, I always play with at least one serial killer. Well, of course you do. Um, Brett, Brett's one of them. I guess. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, we don't know for sure. Not for sure. No. No, I don't know. Convicted? No. Um, That's right. Hmm. You know what? This actually, this just comes to my mind. What would be kind of interesting is if you if somebody tried to do that, I would love to be the dungeon master or GM, whatever. At that point, when somebody does that, and then you decide, you know what? Brandon's dog now loves healing potions. I would change the potion to immediately do a healing potion, just because I would decide that the dog loves it. Yes, like like crazy, like and the dog can find easy, you, silly, and, and they can, can smell them, and they can smell them. So the dog yeah. will like run up to your pack and like scratch at you and like sit there and beg for a healing potion. It could, you know, it'd be great. The the dog could find it because he could smell it, and as as great as they are finding stuff, but make them almost addicted, like their favorite puppy treat to this potion or, or a potion of growth, something that's not harmful. Change it to that thing and uh, make it so that the animal is basically loves it more than anything else. Oh my god, I love it. That'd be awesome. That yeah, would be so they fun. would smell it. Well, so if they gave it to the dog, would they even know it's a healing potion? Probably not. That's what I'm saying. Is if they're like, well, it could be poison. Feed it to the dog. I would not. I would uh, make a quick judgment call at the time. Go. You know what? Fuck it. It was po- poison, or it was like immediate yeah. blow your head off death. I would flip it immediately <laughs> to um, <clears throat> to make the dog um, addicted to it. Or love it more, basically love it more than anything else. It's like a favorite rawhide treat or whatever snossage chew that thing loves. And it's healing potions, growth potions, animal control, where it just loves it because it can, you know, call cats over so it can, you know, eat them or whatever a dog wants to do. I don't know. That could be, uh, that would be fun. That would be awesome. I would applaud that movement. I like it. Yes. All right. Thank you, thank you Chris. That was a good, that's a good idea you just gave me. Thank you. It is a good one. Yes. All right, let's get into the main topic. So, um, a while back, one of our listeners, and I was scouring through notes, and by God, I cannot find it. So, if you're the one who asked us about Supreme Villains, please, God, tell me who you are so I can eat crow on the air and say, my God, I'm sorry, I could not find your letter. Did you did you do a search in our I email? Tr- I tried to. I completely jacked something up. So anyway, if you find it, let me know. But the question was like, you know, how do you guys run Supreme George, Villains? George, I think. Was George it George? Sedgwick? It could be. Oh, uh, that might be it. Is it George? Please. Uh, let me double check. Let me. I have an idea for another topic. My notion is GMs, not players. The player, blah blah blah. I'd love an episode on how GMs can could run their Supreme Villains. Ah, package. there we go. Thank you, George Sedgwick. Sedgwick, yeah. Excellent. Thank you. <sighs> Man, I'm a, apparently I'm a search moron. I got hey, hey George, I got you, buddy. Good thing, good thing Sean pays attention. <sighs> anyway, yeah, that that deserves a Sean was spot on email. Sean was definitely spot on. <laughs> I'll say that right. I'll say that right now in front of God and everybody. Um, so super villains and how we like to run them, how we like to use them, and so on. And you know. To steal a little bit from, you know, our buddy Phil Vecchio, and it's got not necessarily a full definition, but I guess, Sean, when you think about a villain, we sometimes say, oh, the big bad guy, or hey, she's the you know, top dog, blah, blah, blah. But the term supreme has this feeling like it's um, bigger than big. It's the ultimate thing. Um, what would you say would make a villain like a supreme? But Do you have an example of a supreme villain in your head or, or one that you've run into or that you have used in the past? Every James Bond bad guy. 
or bad girl. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, do that. pussy, I thought the pussy wasn't really bad. She's kind of started out that way, but not so bad. Well, Grace Jones, eh, but she was kind of a sidekick. A little bit, yeah. But, but anyways, I would say James Bond baddies. Okay. Have you ever had something like that in an RPG that you would say, yeah, this? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, it, I'm sure I have. Because... Would you say Strahd? Would you say Strahd Von Zerovich? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Strahd's a baddie. He's a supervillain. Especially, uh... especially in the Barovia setting. When you talk Ravenloft, where the vampire, he's the land and the land is him. I mean, it's like, holy crap. That's big, all encompassing. Yeah. Supreme has like that feeling like there you can't escape the gaze of this person, being whatnot. Right? Yeah, he would be one of the big examples. Absolutely. I did that with um, when I ran Will the Darkness Vampire Forever and Ever. Uh, Vlad Dracula, of course, was big bad son of a bitch in those in the game and I made him <coughs> excuse me one of the supreme villains that the players had to deal with from time to time he would kind of swoop in periodically fuck things up pretty bad and then get what he wanted and then leave which was always just a, well, a blast because it would the, the players would be equally terrified and um equal measures terrified want to beat the person want to figure things out fawning um <laughs> like like fawning fandom type of thing um I was, I was all interesting so, I think, honestly, though, I have also run what I would consider supreme villains to not necessarily just be... Sometimes we tend to think of them being super smart. But you can also have the supreme villain that's just super fucking tough. I'm thinking about, like, a Tarask, right? Oh. Tarask, it's big, it's stupid, it's not all that smart, it's not necessarily all that wise, but it is, like, the thing. Um, It's almost like... um. The Hulk, when the Hulk goes completely batshit crazy in in Marvel Comics, right? When he's not Bruce Banner smart, he's just mad, and he's incredibly strong, basically unstoppable. Um, it's almost a supreme villain in a way, especially if, I, if we go fantasy, I think the Tarask, because the way the Tarask hits a world, it's a world-ending type critter. Or dragons, if dragons are intelligent in any world, then that kind of melt is like a perfect melding of super physically tough, capable crush a mountain with his claws type of thing. Plus the insane brilliance. But a lot of times, um, I shouldn't say a lot of times I have had fun over the years, pulling out a Supreme villain or like the big bad guy is not very smart, but is just incredibly unfucking stoppable. Right. It's just, hey, I'm the juggernaut. <laughs> Good luck. You know, it's this big thing that has no rhyme, has no reason, but it just wants to eat, or whatever the case is. Yeah, see, I don't know if I would go with a supervillain like a creature, though. Okay. What I think you... I think I think your argument is valid. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I think I always picture the supreme villain. As kind of a intelligent, plotting, scheming, while it may to George's, uh, you know, unfortunate wanting to have something a little bit different than the conventional piece, you know, throwing a big bad creature that just wants to eat things like that's like kind of throwing uh, throw Godzilla in the middle of a city. I don't know if he's villainy. Now, if there okay, was no, that, that's a good point because there's a difference between being supreme and dangerous because it's dangerous, right? 
right. each equally dangerous. But then when you think villain, that's a good point because supreme villain, the concept of villain has villainy, intelligence, sly, so on and so forth. And to take something like a Trask, okay, then, yeah, I'll, I'll throw that out then and toss it to the side saying that may be supreme indeed, but it doesn't have the villain quality. Because it would, it's not it, it would if there was somebody behind it that Correct. Yes. implemented that big, bad, ugly creature that's going to eat the entire world. Okay, I buy that. I like that. Okay. So there, if we stay, if we stick with that, then, that then um, there's multiple levels of villainy, right? You could be super cunning, um, smart. You could you could do like the lich thing, right? Where you're fucking older than all hell. You're a Sarak, the the demi lich from Tomb of Horrors, and holy shit, you're trying to do something obnoxious, like in the Return to the Tomb of Horrors box set where he's actually trying to become the entire negative material plane. It's this horrible thing that he's trying to do. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Or he could be um, the super um, evil sorceress who is, you know, the the queen of this. She's the queen of frost and woe, and she owns and controls this entire kingdom or something. But you can also be the supremely smart person who is that quiet power behind the throne. Right. And that, that's kind of where I think when you said the person who unleashed the trash, the person who made the Hulk really mad and got him on a rampage, that person that may not be the sorcerer, the, the massively overpowered sorcerer. She may not necessarily be the uh, undead lich queen, but she's super smart. And because of that crazy level of Sherlock Holmesian almost intelligence, she's able to manipulate and have all these political machinations to change the outcome of an entire war. Or she's able to, you know, flip politics in such a way that everything is in upheaval. And those type of villains can be really tricky because to me anyway, it's not it's harder to find them and they tend when you do meet them or if you want to, as the game master, you have the wonderful opportunity to go. Oh, here's uh, you know, here's Angela Murray. She's you know, she's a nice little game master, and she's a really great person, so on and so forth. And you would never, you would never believe that Angela is also the, the the mastermind behind you know this this horrendous thing that occurred. You're like, oh my God, she did that. She was such a quiet, mild mannered person. Or wow, Sean Kelly was mild mannered blogger and uh, you know podcaster. Oh my God, he's also the mastermind behind. And, uh, I mean, that that's a cliche where you've got somebody who is, you know, they have the facade of being nothing more than what they, than what they appear. Um, but I think that's part of the fun with Supreme Villains is you, if, if you do them right, you don't always know necessarily who they are out of the gate. You don't have to have it known. You can know that, hey, it's Dr. Doom and he's a badass motherfucker, but you may not know who the real supervillain is or Supreme Villain until you dig deeper into it and find out that, oh, it's not him at all, it's this other person. Yeah, I think one of the elements of a supreme villain is you gotta, they gotta have a little air of mystery, and they definitely cannot, in my humble opinion, in a role-playing game, they cannot be divulged too early. Now, in per- now when you say divulge too early, would you say, I think you can drop a hint of a name but the oh, indiv- sure. but the individual can't be there, right? Perhaps, or if they are, it's like this. Wait a minute, it was them, or that person was a um, emissary. Uh, 
how do I say this? But that was like a um, avatar of this thing or whatever. But it's never you don't really have the opportunity to engage them physically, like in combat or anything like that. It's kind of a quick hit. Or the rumor that said, oh, it happened to be Strahd, right? I mean, when you play Ravenloft, you don't necessarily run into Strahd first game, first session. Uh, correct. Yes, you're right. So I do think that's something that you have to keep in mind. All the movies, a lot of movies, a lot of television series, you know, many, it's a tropey thing. Which, again, to George's point, may be just kind of this, you know, tropey thing, cliche. But at the same time, that there is a reason why I would say that you don't want to do that, right? You just don't want to divulge it because it lessens their superiority. They're it's- supreme. They're not supreme if you bring them out, reveal to the party at first level all what they're about and who they are. You know, maybe you can sum it up. Maybe as a mystery, background, uh, urban legend. Maybe it does. Maybe you're not sure if they actually exist. So you create an air about them, so that way when they get further up in levels, if you're playing a level-based system, and you're going to divulge the the supreme villain, I also think they have to have like there a huge amount of influence. Yes, so, I mean they have to, they have to be able to have almost anything they would need at any given time, right? Yeah, like a good amount of resources. To yeah, do if, what if they need doing. money, contacts, people, cars, helicopters, a castle in Barovia. I need, uh, you know, six hundred horses. <laughs> Whatever right. they might happen to have, that's not a big deal. Wave of the hand, and she can call it forward and do what she's got to do. Joe, Joe, or Jane, average that don't have any money or resources, it's going to be hard for them to be supreme villain. Yeah. And a lot of them in a lot of movies and TV and books have a lot of money. Like even, you know, Strahd, he, I mean, he's, he's a count. He's got a big castle called Ravenloft. Lots of minions at his beck and call. Correct. You know, a lot of the Bond characters are multimillionaire crazies yeah. that like own their own islands and their own armies, literally. Yeah. The other thing that when you're talking about not revealing them too soon is that the other piece is that what I have always done when I choose that avenue, and there's a different way I think to do to do them when you can thrust them forward up first, but we'll talk about this. Anyway, when I choose this approach, then the first time the players inconvenience my supreme villain, it's kind of like Moriarty dealing with Sherlock Holmes. At a certain point, Holmes does something, Moriarty's like, God damn it. That obnoxious amateur detective. Son of a bitch. Oh, well, whatever. He's an idiot. Second time. Hmm, that's annoying. Third time. Really getting under my skin. Fourth time. That's fucking it. I've had it. I will take direct action against you. And you now have my notice. So I think the idea of being essentially beneath the supreme villain's notice, especially in a level-based system, first level, eh. Second level, eh. By the time they're like fourth or fifth level, your supreme villain now has them on a list of people that they're not necessarily worried about, but they want to figure out what's going on. You know, somebody who survived this long, either actively, on purpose, or inadvertently disturbing, disrupting the Supreme Villain's plans and goals, that's somebody that the Supreme Villain's going to want to keep track of, and then they're going to want to amp up their deal-with-those-assholes schedule, right? 
<clears throat> where previously it might be whatever. So you took over my uh, my human trafficking and money laundering thing. Big fucking deal. I got 15 more. Oh, you shut down all 15 of them. Okay, that's annoying. That's an entire revenue stream I don't have. That's annoying. Oh, wait a minute. You just shut down my uh, my you know nuclear waste collection and distribution system. All right, now now you're starting to annoy me. Now this is getting ugly. Oh, and you stopped my assassin. Fuck you. Let's let, all right. Some go kill one of them. You know, send send a couple plebes after. Send a couple you know armed assassins after Mister Bond and his crew. You know, send some mooks. Then we start wiping the floor with the mooks. Then it gets uglier and uglier and uglier and escalate, escalate, escalate. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Brett. I think one of the I can't believe I just said that aloud. <laughs> uh, you're you're still you're you still can... high from being told you hit it on the head earlier. <laughs> I think if you take a villain, supreme villain, and you just keep their motivations front of mind and their plotting and scheming and what they're ultimately trying to do. And you push that agenda as the game master. And you keep in mind that the players, they may not even know really what's going on, right? They're sent into an area and they do a module or they do an adventure and they save the slaves. Or if you're a Knight's Black Agents, you disrupt, right? You mentioned it, Brett, the human trafficking ring, whatever, etc. Rinse, repeat, different scenarios, different games, and you tie those components into the big bads, the supervillains, ultimate scheme, ultimate plan. So it those elements may be revenue generators, or maybe it's a way that the villain uh, blackmails big heavy political intriguey people whatever right that in order to hit him for him or her to get further they need leverage could be financial could be blackmail could be just like people resources and so as the player characters get their mitts and they get in and start disrupting some of that like you mentioned then slowly but surely they will find out that there's somebody behind the scenes, dealing with this or doing this or needing this, and that that person, the supervillain, is going to want to deal with their thorn inside, which is what you're alluding to, which I think then kind of makes the whole grand finale of the campaign or maybe it's the game session or the, the story arc to really come to a head, especially if they start taking it to the player characters to the extent of making it personal exactly yeah you mentioned knights black agents and just i mean we've talked about knights black agents in the uh conspiramid before it's basically the conspiracy pyramid approach of like hey here's the vampire at the top and here's all the different things that controls underneath it um i believe i'd have to double check but i think at pelgrane press you can get a copy of the con- of conspiramid and you can download it and just kind of see what it looks like um if not, get a hold of uh, if you don't if you haven't read Knights Black Agent yet. It's a fun ass game. I played it, love it. Anyway, that approach of to help help yourself keep that top of mind. Um, if you don't have, if you're like me and your memory isn't quite as you know steel trapish, more of a rusty steel trap um, than it used to be. Feel free to you know write that down. Say, hey, this main this supreme villain, she is out to, you know destroy the you know the royalty in England she's out to you know do something okay great 
how is she going about that? Well, she has these different um, organizations that work underneath her. Basically, you're building a pyramid scheme for this individual and how they're manipulating and how they're operating out. Because <clears throat> a supreme villain, generally speaking, in this type of approach, is not always well-known first and up, up front, right? So it's the it's a conspiracy approach, similarly, in that, you know, whomever is really running the world, if it's the Bilderbergers or if it's the um, Masons or whatever the hell you want to have in it, or the vampires, they're always buried somewhere behind layers of their own web and their own bureaucracy to hide them behind, but yet they can pull the strings, like a mafia don. So use those types of tools, write them down. And again, even if you don't like that, the conspiracy approach or whatever, but don't be afraid to have, even if it's just a bullet point list of at the top of that list is, you know, She's the mastermind, supreme villainous. Great. Got it. And here's the 52 different things that she has in her stable of powers that she can control to help fuck with the players. And as the players work their way up that bullet point list, they get closer to her. They've had enough. Of, she's had enough of their shit and is going to come down and hammer the crap out of them. Now, going to George's kind of, you know, I, I'm kind of tired of the cliches and they're, you know, always kind of similar and they're always portrayed in a similar manner mixing it up a little bit could go as far as you know making it a group yes making it somebody that doesn't exist like i don't know how you know i don't it's more of a mystery urban legend maybe somebody in the party like somehow as a game master you instill that there is a big bad but Maybe it's just, maybe it doesn't exist. Maybe it's just kind of a weird mystery. If this, you would, if you don't mind, Kaiser, Kaiser Salsa, Kaiser Salsa, Kaiser Salsa. If you don't mind having a the end of your game being anticlimactic, you can. I have done this in the past in a vampire game one time. You go all the way through it and you find out what you thought was true is absolutely not true. There's nothing to it. It's just myth and rumor. You can do that. Right, you could say, "Look, it's Kaiser Soze. It is the um, the 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 demon, the demon queen of whatever." And you work your way there, and it's like alligators in the sewers, man. They don't exist, or do they? Oh, don't don't don't. Or ghosts. Or ghosts. Chasing ghosts, man. Yeah. What was you, the movie like? You're chasing ghosts. I can't remember the movie. Yeah, done with you. But the the idea is that you can have it. So sometimes synchronicity and weirdness and things being connected. Many people believe that there's a conspiracy around a thing, and you can talk to people like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these people will be backing you up and supporting you, and police officers, and FBI agents, and CIA, and NSA, and NKJVD, and all these people go, oh, absolutely, you know, NKJDV. Well, uh, boy, I just mixed a version of the Bible along with um, uh, Russian Secret Service. Anyway, um, point being is all these people can tell you that it's a good idea, that you totally must be on the right track because it's getting harder and harder to find the truth. You're obviously going the right path. And there's nothing there. Boom, you open the box, and it's empty. You open the room, and there's nothing there. You can do that if you want a that type of a anticlimax at the tail end. Another thing that I have done in the past, which can be a lot of fun, is, and I think some movies have done this too, where like, look, it's, I mean, a lot of, honestly, a lot of kids' movies will do this, where this is the bad guy. You know it right at the beginning of the fucking movie. This is the bad guy. This is the, She's the bad person. This is the bad girl. This is the bad guy. They're in charge. This is the person that our hero will have to defeat by the end of this movie. We get that in even in grown-up movies, right? You, this, is, this is the thing. It's Dr. Octopus. Oh, 
Peter Parker's going to have to go fight him. You learn that at the beginning of the movie or or whatever. You can do a similar thing in RPGs. Sometimes we want to, we try to outsmart ourselves in a way by trying to make this very complicated thing when you can say, you know what it is? I'm, I did this in a small 3-5 three, three, game with my home group one time. <clears throat> they were in a city. Everyone's going fine. And um, I instigated a massive war, and it completely... It was called Behind Enemy Lines. The bad guy ruled this entire... Un- he basically was a he's a lich, and everyone heard a rumor about this lich, and he had an undead army, and like, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, well, that's way off in the north. Boom, he shows up, blam, flattens everything. Next thing you know, they're behind enemy lines. They have to deal with this. Everyone knew who a bad guy was. You could even go so far as to have the bad person essentially announce themselves to the PCs. They could show up, Want the PC's asses, or even just take the magic away from at the tail end. You know, the second adventure they're on, after whatever level, the bad guy comes in, swoops in, takes all the stuff that Sean and company just earned, and says, no, I got this. Get out of here. You know, basically saying, I'm in charge. I'm the supreme villain. I knew this. I used you. Thank you very much. And then leave. And you know who they are. And you even may well know the types of things they control. It's just going to be harder and harder to get through it. There are certain um, spy movies, even that that um, I can. Th- I mean, the Born is not Born's a bit more of a kind of a struggle your way through um, amnesia. But even if you took the Born movies and laid it out, say Treadstone looks like this, which looks like Blackbriar, Treadstone, this person, this. Even if you knew right out of the gate, it's whomever's controlling this thing is is the bad guy. It it's a slog to get there. You can't just go kick their ass because. Um, you know, it, it's a goddamn storm giant <laughs> who's on a rampage. That's the one that destroyed all of the Grand Duchy of Jeff. Wow. Um, okay, if we want to be the ones that freed the Grand Duchy of Jeff, then we had best figure out how to eventually get strong enough to go beat the uh, evil storm giant for, you know, whatever. So you can have it be directed in your face, and then it becomes a goal. Then it's a laser focus goal. For the, for the player group sometimes. Instead of trying to um, deal with a Machiavellian or bizarre conspiracy twists and turns, you could have it be as overt as this is the bad person, you're there to defeat this person, go get it. And then that's a great, that could be a great deal of fun as well. Dude, make the, make the big bad uh, supervillain uh, somebody that's on your side. Oh, okay. Were they using you? Yeah, yeah. They just—they've got you involved. They're doing stuff. Um, maybe they're—they're they're sending you on missions. The missions you think are disrupting the bads, whoever the bad is portrayed by. But it's really you're just another puppet, and have it come full circle to kind of the director that's been pulling your strings for the last five adventures. So take so I that for whatever reason I think I saw an ad and for then have one somewhere. of your player characters helping that cause exactly yeah do <laughs> it yeah you find out that wow I was uh, trying to do a good I was trying to do good deeds this whole time take the uh, the really kitschy movie the A Team or even Predator the first one with Schwarzenegger he and his team are a rescue team they show up and they're basically there to do cleanup work. For some black bag CIA shit. And he grabs the one dude. He's like, what the fuck is this? There's no cabinet minister. You lied to me. And he goes, yeah, I know. Whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, that's a Delta Green thing, too, right? You don't. You can get lied to. You can be sent to go do a thing. 
under an auspice of X by king, queen, whatever, um, and find out you're wrong. So the there was a movie, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, did Hercules. In part of that movie, he's serving, he's serving this king, played by John Hurt. And John Hurt is a bad son of a bitch. All right, spoiler, sorry. Um, but basically, he's been used to get a whole bunch of shit done. And they go, what? And when you find it out, you're like, oh, crap. It was not like all that hard to figure out, but it's, it's a rock movie. But anyhow, point is, is it works in fantasy. It works in, it works in sci-fi. It works in any setting. You've been set up, and you're working for the bad guy. And something about that makes that villain seem very supreme. They're super smart. They played you. They suckered you. They got you to do something that you didn't want to do. Um, and that can be a blast. The other thing you can do with that is you can do a heel turn for any number of NPCs that the players have been working with. You can, um, if they've had a handler um, who's been super nice and the king's been super gracious and always sending them these great missions and rewarding them and the, the queen's been gracious and the kids have all been great, the princes and princesses, blah, blah, blah. And then come to find out they've been using you to annihilate an entire species. It, it it can be done. You could flip it and say, you know what? I don't really have a supreme villain. I really want to amp it up. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this person that I wrote in to be really good and just flip them. Do the pro wrestling thing, heel turn, click. And next thing you know, they're the bad guy and she's the bad person. You can do that too. Um, because at that point, you've, you've <laughs> you don't necessarily want to tell the players that until the very end per se, but I have, I, I have done that. Sean, I don't know if you've ever done that where you've taken somebody who was good for like 10 sessions and said, nah, they're evil now. But I've done that just because I'm like I need a I need a new bad guy. Oh, you won't be really fun right now, is if she turned on the party. Click. <laughs> hey, look at that. She's evil now. Yeah. Well, you just give them a, moti- a motivation. Yeah. Uh, you you maybe they got a family member that's put up against the wall, and they've got to do something drastic for somebody else. Yeah. They've they have no choice, right? Maybe they're possessed. Maybe. Maybe they're getting paid just way too damn much money now. And there's really the the main thing is if you don't like if you if you're feeling certain things are cliche, one of the things I like to do is watch a good watch a good movie with a couple supreme bad guys, watch one with a really good person and say what would happen if Gandalf was a motherfucker? Oh my god, what if Gandalf was after the ring and he set this whole thing up and um he shows up at Mount Dune, kills Gollum, takes the ring, and goes, hop, I got this, bitches. You know, and then he just, you know, becomes the Dark Lord or some variation on that theme. Um, John Wick talked about, you know, good guy Vader. You know, basically, Darth Vader is just this guy who wants to, uh, you know, rule, you know, rejoin with his kid and rule the galaxy. Come on, how, how bad could that be? Um, <laughs> you could take any number of books and things like that. Take, take the good guy, make him a bad guy. Or take some of the different supreme villains that you have seen that do it that do it a couple different ways and smash them into one thing. You can do the the combination. That's always a good way to help break some of the stereotypes or not stereotypes, the cliches down a little bit. Yeah. Bad guys. The supreme ones are so <coughs> excuse me, they're so fun. Because you get to do you get to pull out the stops as the game master, right? You you basically you get to use your game master precognitive powers when you because this person's amazingly smart you know and they can plan they can scheme they can always have things set up just to fuck with the players just the right times 
And they have this huge network of stuff available to them. And then the players get to feel all this great success as they chunk their way through the mooks to get to the final big fight with the villain in the end. That's all good. Yeah. Have the big villain infiltrate everything, or at least just a smidgen. Maybe it's not the entire org, but just enough to dick around with the freaking party. Yeah, and then it gets everybody on, on edge, right? Oh, if she's gotten this far, if she's gotten this far in the CIA, she must obviously also have this entire group of FBI agents. And the FBI's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, the <laughs> party then starts thinking the whole FBI's after them. Paranoia for no reason. It's all good. All right, let's get into die roll. Let's do it up. All right, die roll. Brett. So, um, I only, I did not, I wasn't able to find a couple of good uh, ones that Sean and I grabbed a few of the ones I was actually thinking of putting out here. But, um, Mr. Dave Beatty, uh, the Bacon Wizard, and uh, DCC Game Master Extraordinaire, and uh, also, I must say, a master of Happy Salmon, um, hooked Sean and I up with some reading material for his Dark Trails RPG. Um, DCC, Chassis, we're talking Wild West, Cthuloid stuff. It's really fucking good. I started um, I started reading it. I got distracted because of some things I had to do with work and then kids and graduation parties and stuff, but I was able to pick it up again this weekend, and God damn it, David, that is some good work, man. Um, I'm going to have to get this to the table and give it a good play test for you, but I'm really, really pleased with it. Dave is um, he's out on Facebook with uh, Dark Trails, and I, I believe he might be in the uh, Google Plus community as well, but... It's good stuff. I really am liking it. Sean, have you had a chance to, to dig into it at all? I have not. Okay. I'm telling Dave, Dave will be like mad because I'm, I like Dave. You, now he doesn't. He no, probably won't like no, me I don't anymore. Like anymore. Yeah. And you made him play no. Happy Salmon, and you didn't bother to read his book. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's it's a damn good game, though. I really I really am liking what I'm seeing. So anyway, Mr. Beatty, good, good work, sir. And uh, once I give it a run with my crew, I will let you know how it goes. He can't be too hard on me. He's a big animal lover, and I've I've – Throwing him a few bones to get into his his contest, not his contest, his drawing. Because if you if you donate so much to to his little his cause, um, which is like dealing with cats and dog shelters, and no, he's a good he, dude. He's he's a, he's a good he's a good guy all around. And uh, no, his work on this is really nice. So it's it's nice is a weak word. It's a it's awesome. It really is. So anyway, why well, I, I can't wait for that thing to hit. All right, so my turn. Firefly's Serenity, the ship, made entirely from duct tape. Shiny. Link in the show notes. <laughs> D&D custom character sheets, which I've posted on Google+, Plus from Pete Watson Wales. Uh, interesting. Very art form. Uh, very, very artist, artistic. Uh, you'll have to check it out. It's almost like a, kind of a like an arty arts uh, an artist's portrayal of what a character sheet might be. It reminds me of uh, Tony Dutelizzi. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. The guy who did a lot of uh, he did a lot of the art for um, Planescape and Changeling and so forth. He had a series of D and D character sheets, which this reminds me of. It looks really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Chris Avalone, I think it's that's how we say Chris's last name. I apologize, Chris. Uh, announces a new RPG project called Pathfinder Kingmaker. So Chris is no slouch. Um, he's done um, some decent productions of uh, video games to include, I believe, 
Oh shoot, let me look it up. Uh, and I'm, I apologize because I'm not into the big video scene anymore. But New Vegas, Fallout, New Vegas, Wasteland Two, Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Planescape, so, Torment, Icewind Dale, yeah. Fallout, New Vegas, Wasteland Two, Pillars of Eternity. I know so, that because I'm reading the website. I don't play video games, so I'm reading, <laughs> reading it because so, the website. Uh, this may be a big deal for RPG video game crossover, tabletop, Pathfinder, Paizo's intellectual property. It's not the uh, the Goblin folks that um, Ron. Ryan Dancy's dealing with this is this may be something different. Very cool. Uh, last one, Dungeon Contest. The one 2017 one-page Dungeon Compendium is available. So there was a contest, the One Dungeon Contest. It's, I think, completed, and now they're compiling them and releasing it for people to devour. Very cool. So if you want a resource there, something to check into. And if you didn't get into 2017's dungeon, uh, one-page dungeon contest, you know, I'm sure it'll be around next year. I don't think we brought it up in the die roll when it came up, but nonetheless. Cool. Yeah. Speaking of dungeons, True Dungeon. Oh, yeah. What, what, is, what is Dungeons and Dragons and True Dungeon – have in, mind, have in common. Well, they're all going to be at GameholeCon, of course. That's right. You are just sharp as a tack. Hey, yeah. I think they're actually going to have two sessions of... Are they going to do like two different components? Uh, you know what? We're going to have Alex on the show pretty damn soon. We're going to ask Alex more details on this. It's going to be pretty cool. Anyway. So Edwin Nagy, Nagy is running under Frog God Games. Uh, the first Sentinel which is a swords and wizardry system he's going to be using. Very cool. Another one that he's going to be running is called the Ties That Bind, which is a Call of Cthulhu game. And our, how do you say that, Brett? Rapanathuk, a 5e rendition of that. Yeah. Very cool. Michael, Michael Drescher is running Here We Go Again. And Here We Go Again, again. <laughs> Both Fate Accelerated games. Um, he's going to be doing some cool stuff with Fate Accelerated. He even mentioned having some swag from Evil Hat Productions. Oh, so very he might cool. Have wrote them and got some stuff from Deadly Fredly and the gang. Very nice. Uh, and then Chris Nizak, of course. He's coming from all the way from Buffalo just so he can run a game of Dungeon World in Madison, Wisconsin in November. Under our banner, of course. The first weekend of November he's coming. Right. That's when the game hole con is. He's going to run it under our banner, I hear. He is. Yes, he is. And so is Michael. I know. Scholars and gentlemen, all of them. Yes. Yeah, so get your ass to GameholeCon. Is it GameholeCon.com? Dot com, Brett. Finished it. He's like, he finishes my sentence, ladies and gentlemen. I know. Been doing this so like long. an old married couple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought the the good the buddy cop thing was. Now it's like we've gone into like some weird. Now we've gone. It's gotten weirder than usual. Whatever. Keep going. Brett, Brett, what are we talking about next week? Damn it! Next week we're going to talk about um, keeping uh, supernatural horror and keeping things mysterious. And I will probably talk about my uh, the spiders that I used in my recent Lamentations of Flame Princess game. That uh, I freaked the shit. As I've said many times, dead babies don't phase my group anymore. But I've found out that a well-placed spider that will uh, that'll get them squir- squirming. So it worked out well. I'll talk about it next time. 
I think in the future you should reference them as arachnids. Arachnids? Because to me, yeah, to me, spiders are like little bitty things you squish under your feet. Oh, arachnids? arachnid does sound more intimidating. I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. I get it. I dig it. It's just a suggestion. Take it for whatever it's worth, which is like zero. I'll put it in this pile here, and it's uh, it looks it looks like a garbage can, but it's not. I'll put it in this in this in my vertical file. <laughs> All right, goddamn it! It's uh, this this is we're wrapping it up. This is the end of the episode. I'm one of your hosts, Sean, and I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swift, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, and Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason Blaylock, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tenkar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, Dan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz, The Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Braslett, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Stefan Dragonspawn, Finolf, Ray Otis, Mirko Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jared Rasher, Jared Lytle, Todd Crapper, Michael Parker, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher with Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Evan Harrison Cass, Chris Steele, and Eric the Hoff Hoffman. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Consider heading to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, listeners. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.